All right, good afternoon. Take your Bibles turn to 1 Peter chapter number 2. 1 Peter chapter number 2. I appreciate everyone who's been praying uh, for my kidney stones. It makes me feel so good to know that my kidneys are in your heart, and I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, it's warm and fuzzy inside to know that my kidney has been on your mind all this time, and I appreciate how awkward those conversations have been over the last six weeks, all right? But uh, uh, I, all my kidney stones are now gone. Uh, I still have a stint in, so I have one more surgery scheduled, not scheduled, I have one more surgery coming up, not scheduled. Unfortunately, the scheduling lady is on vacation, and so um, I'm watching a YouTube video today, see if I can do it myself and see if it's uh, possible. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not doing that. <laughs> anyway, so first Peter, if you need an outline, uh, Pastor Yeomans has his outline if you want an outline. I don't know that we have slides today. We, I don't think we have slides, so you have to listen closely. I'll try to make it clear if we get to a blank as best I can. Uh, hope we'll give you something that God will help you with as you look through First Peter. So it's been a while since we visited the book of First Peter. So let me, uh, I, I want to say this about my kidney stone too. They do take your kidney stone out and analyze it to tell you what it's all made of. They found out mine's made of kryptonite. So I'm not sure, that's very unusual, but I, that's the problem. That's why they've been blasting and blasting and can't get it out. So uh, I don't know what that means, but I know I'm having a hard time. So, uh, all right, First Peter. It's been a while since we visited First Peter, so let me kind of take a minute to kind of review where we're at. We call this series Strangers because that's what Peter calls this group of believers he's writing to. These are believers that had to leave the Israel area and were dispersed. And they moved into the region that we now call Turkey. And so they're scattered away from the other believers in the Jerusalem, Israel area. And Peter is writing them a letter, which we have, uh, writing to them, but for us, it's for us today and to them at the same time. And so they're living in this area of Turkey. And we're just kind of skimming our way through the book, looking for characteristics that will help us to live right in a world gone wrong. And so these folks are living now in a, in a strange place as strangers. They don't quite fit in, and they feel a little bit out of place, like we should feel this way in the world that we live in. Our society is changing quickly. Our Christian nation is no longer a Christian nation. Many of you who have been around a few more years than I have, have seen that transition from a Christian nation to a post-Christian nation. How many of you remember reading the Bible or, saying, or having prayer in your public school? All right, so that doesn't happen. If you know that, that doesn't happen anymore. We've taken God, so that has changed, and that has changed our society. That's why the Bible language is so foreign to our, our whole country now. It is a very strange, the Bible ideas and Christian ethics are no longer, they're foreign to us. We're in a strange society, and so we're strangers in this world gone wrong. And now Peter comes to this topic, and really, I did some calculations, about 20% of his letter is on this one topic today. That's a big section of the letter, if you think about percentage-wise. This characteristics. And when we were young, maybe, how many of this play this game? We played a game called Mercy. Anybody play a game called Mercy? All right. The game of Mercy was a battle of strength, but more so a battle of the will. And so two guys would lock hands, both hands, in this way, and you would struggle and you'd fight to try to bend the other guy's hands up underneath backwards to the point of almost breaking bones. And at that point, the other guy would say, mercy. mercy. 
and you would win. It was a battle of strength, but more so a battle of the wills. The game only ended when one side submitted, right? When there's no submission, there is no victory. And so today we're going to look at submission, being submissive in a world gone wrong. It's a characteristic, again, if I'm writing this letter to people dispersed, I may have different characteristics that I include, but I'm not under the inspiration of God. Under the inspiration of God, Peter writes to a people who are dispersed, living in a strange world, and one thing he spends a great deal of time on, if you want to live right in a world gone wrong, you got to learn to be submissive. Submissive, submission, is not a word that rolls off our tongue because it rolls out of a a rebellious and a strong, prideful heart. Submission is not easy for us. And the word submission here is a military term. It means to come under authority of somebody else. And so uh, there's a rank in in, in the military. My brother spent many, many years in the uh, Marine Corps in the United States. He told the story of his boot camp. When they were in bed in the middle of the night, they would call and yell, roll call, roll call, roll call. And they would get up in the middle of the night and they had to pick up their locker and carry their locker down a flight of stairs, stand in front of the dorms and do a roll call. As soon as roll call was done, they would say, go back to bed. They'd carry the locker back up, put the locker back down, get back in bed. As soon as they would drift off to sleep again, same night, you roll call, roll call, roll call. You grab your locker. You drive it down, drag it down the stairs, out in front of the dorm. Call, roll call. You're like, why? And this would happen several times through the night at any time. You know why they did that? To break the will of the recruits because they needed to obey authority and rank without thinking, right? And so the military understands rank. Christians need to understand rank. And we need to understand also the idea of willingly bringing ourselves under the authority of other people and living a submissive life. Submissiveness is not weakness. It's a symbol of strength. When you are strong enough to submit yourself to somebody else's authority, that's a symbol of strength in the Bible. And so let's talk about submission today. We're going to talk about three relationships in this passage. I'll read a few verses. Uh, We'll start in verse number 13. The Bible says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him, for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. We're not going to go into great depth, but one area of submission is in government or those in authority. This is one relationship, the relationship to government, and not just our federal, but provincial and all those local governments, those who are the ordinances of man. Look down to verse number 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, and not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. And so this is a relationship at work. So government, so there's three relations on your outline. There's the first three blanks, I think are three relationships. First one, government. Second one, work. This is where we're supposed to be uh, submissive to government, submissive to work. And then, verse number, chapter 3, verse number 1. Likewise, ye wives, 
be in subjection. Same word, submissive, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Look down at verse number seven. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor. Again, not the same word, but the idea of giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Family, three relationships, government, work, family. Three areas of submission, government, work, and family. But today, rather than dealing with those relationships individually, I want to look at why submission is important. What's the benefits of submission when you're living as a stranger in a world gone wrong? So number one on your outline, the the first of, of the main points there, submission or submitting silences the critics. Living a submissive life silences the critics. Look at verse number 15. This is in the section dealing with government. Verses 13 and 14 talk about every ordinance of man, governors, uh, those in authority. Verse number 15. For so is the will of God. This is God's will for you. You may say, well, I don't know what God's will for my life is. Well, I'm going to tell you one thing. God's will for you is submission to those in authority. That with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. The idea there is to silence the critics, to silence those. The word there, silence, means to muzzle or to be speechless, to strap a muzzle, to, sh- to shut them up. How do you, have you ever had an argument and you're, you're, you're going back and forth and you say something and you feel like you just, you shut them up. You, you, you showed them, you, you brought that point and you shut them up and they had nothing to say. Well, about here saying that one way we can do that is by being submissive. It, it takes the ammunition out of uh, their hands. My pastor growing up was Dr. Thompson. I mention him often. And if you knew Dr. Thompson, he had a, uh, he had a way about, he was, he was bold and brash and we would uh, play bicker with each other and he would pick on me and I'd pick on him and he was sharp and he, he, could, he could hold his own very well. And, and I learned after a while, the best way to take the ammunition out of his hand was to say something nice about him. He, he, did, he could not handle that. He'd be like, I'm like this. Blah, 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 blah. He'd be ripping on me. I'd say, Doc, you know what? I haven't told you you're my hero. Oh, cut it out, man. Cut it out. No, really, I used to look up to you, and I look up to you still. You, oh, man, shut them. Leave me alone. Like, he, he just could not handle the kindness. I killed him with kindness. And once I learned that, I never lost a battle. Because we would get into it a little bit. I think, I'm, I'm ready to bring the secret weapon. And i just start being kind to him, and he would just back down, right? Well, this is kind of the idea here that submission, the Bible says, silences the critics. Pastor Yeomans preached a, a couple messages just over a year ago in the tent. Think about that. We were in the tent just over a year ago. Imagine that, right? Uh, some of you never were out in the tent with us, but we had a tent set up on our property for, the most, for all the summer last year. And he talked about our response to government. So I'm not going to cover all that. There's lots in here. There's lots in the Bible about that. I'm not going into all that. But the idea here is we are to submit to those in authority. I think there's times to stand for freedom. And I think this is different. This is a little different situation. Remember, these folks lived in Israel, which was under Roman control. And they moved to Turkey, which was under Roman control. 
So there was different local governments and different things. They were joining a society. Just like if I left here and became a missionary to China, my first instinct would not be to try to teach Chinese people how to have freedom and democracy. I'd be teaching the gospel, right? I would not be worried about changing the government, right? So, but living in a free country that I've grown up in and protecting that for my children and my grandchildren, that's different. I had to steward that freedom, which Pastor talked about. So I'm not here to tell you where to draw that line for you. I'm just saying this is a different situation. They've moved from one area under Roman control to another area under Roman control, but had different local governments. And he's saying your, your main goal is not to save the government. Your main goal is to save the soul. And so submit to every ordinance as much as lies within you, live peaceably with all men. This is what the Bible teaches us, all right? So, and by doing that, it takes the ammunition out of their hands. It's, we, as we submit, it talks about that. Um, how's the Bible word that? Look at uh, verse 15. For so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. You can put the ignorant fool to, to, to shame and to silence. Uh, this is Bible words. I don't think you should tell them that. <laughs> I don't think it's going to say, I'm just going to put your ignorant foolishness to shame by being quiet. That's not submissive. But the Bible is saying by being submissive, the ignorant fool has no ammunition. Submissiveness. It helps silence the critics. Number two. Look at verse number 19. Again, now we've moved into the section about servants and masters. Verse number 19, for this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, what glory is it if when ye are be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if we, ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently. This is acceptable to God. Number two, submitting is acceptable to God. God tells you what he accepts and what he rejects. One of the earliest stories in the Bible is about Cain and Abel. One brought an acceptable offering. One brought an unacceptable offering. I believe both were probably very sincere in what they brought, but one was acceptable and one was not acceptable. And so here God's saying, this is acceptable to me when you submit in a difficult situation. I'm not going to lie, it's difficult to be treated unfairly. Have you ever felt like you got the raw end, you got treated unfairly? Maybe here in this situation at work, you got passed over for promotion, you didn't get what you thought you should get, you didn't get the raise you thought you deserved, you are singled out when other people were, and you were punished or you were uh, written up for something you didn't do. Have you ever been treated unfairly? I have. Have not you told your children Life's not fair. Who said life was fair? You're, you will be treated unfairly. How should you respond when you're in the workplace and you're treated unfairly? I'm not saying that you roll over and don't stand up for, you know, I've been an employee here. You can, you can argue your case, but here the Bible's talking about submission. And in doing that, it's acceptable to the Lord when you're treated unfairly. A true test of submission is not submitting when you're wrong, it's submitting when you're right. That's what God's saying here. Hey, this is thankworthy when you do it when you've been treated wrongly. Big deal. If, you've been, if you were wrong and you're suffering for your fault, you earned it. But when you don't earn it and you suffer and you do it submissively, this is thankworthy 
and it's acceptable to God. God takes, listen, God takes note of every time that you've been treated unfairly and you've handled it with submissiveness because of your relationship to God. He takes note of that. You get a star by your name in the, in the chart of heaven. He takes note. Uh, your rewards are based upon your obedience to God. And here's one thing he says, this is obedience, submission. Again, not a topic I would cover if I'm writing a letter to people who are dispersed, but Peter took 20% of his letter to say, be submissive to government, be submissive in the workplace. As you go to a new workplace, you're starting new jobs. Here's how you start out. You may be treated unfairly. You're the new guy. You, you, may, not get, you may not get the, you know, what you expected. You got to be careful. Be submissive. It's acceptable to God. And Christ is our example of this. Look at uh, verse number 21. For even here and too were you called. You're called to suffer for being unfairly because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. So he, he did no sin, no guile, no wrong, but he suffered. He suffered willingly. He suffered submissively. He, su- he submitted himself to the authority of the Roman government, and he submitted himself to the jeers and the punches and the spitting of all, the, all, all, all that as our example. And, and it, the Bible just very clearly says that's what you're called to. Hey, Christian, who's not longer living in Jerusalem in Israel, you're out there in Turkey somewhere, just mark it down. There'll be times you'll be treated unfairly, and here's how I want you to respond. Submissively. Submissively. Submission silences the critic. Submissions, submission will, is acceptable to God. Number three, submiss- submitting points others to Christ. Submitting points others to Christ. Again, now we're moving to the section of the family. Look at verse, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection or submission to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. So here this situation is a... A saved wife living with an unsaved husband. And Peter calls upon them to live their life in subjection or submission to their own husband. Her submission to his authority leads him to a closer relationship with Christ. Without the word. She doesn't need to preach at him. I'm not saying you don't interject the word of God, but this is saying... That without the word, you can win them over to the cause of Christ, to the side of Christ, by your submissive spirit. Our submissive spirit will lead others, point others to Jesus Christ. Why is submission so important for the Christian? Why did Peter take 20% of his letter to do that? Well, because it helps point others to Jesus Christ. Her submission is further explained later on as a meek and quiet spirit. What is submission? It's a meek and a quiet spirit. How do you handle it at work when you're treated wrongly? A meek and quiet spirit. How do you handle it uh, in in authority and government when things aren't going your way? A meek and quiet spirit. Again, I'm not saying that we don't stand for our freedom as a people. I'm saying as a Christian, we do it with a meek and quiet spirit. 
Your spirit is far more important than your words. Your spirit conveys way more than even the words that you use. So do it in a meek and quiet spirit here at home in this family situation. A meek and quiet spirit. He shows, in verse number 7, he shows submission to her by giving honor to her. And so this relationship works because she is submissive to him and he is honoring her. And in this relationship, as people submit to each other, the relationship grows. And so here, Paul, Peter is calling on the people to be submissive because it points and draws others to Jesus Christ. Look down at verse number 8 and 9. This is the end of this section on submission. Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous, courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. Submitting brings blessing. Submitting brings blessing blessing. This is a general statement for all relationships. And so we talked about the relationship with the government, the relationship at work, the relationship uh, with the family. And now here's a general statement for all relationships, including those in the church with other believers, a general statement of submission. He also says later in the, uh, in this letter, first Peter chapter five, verse five, likewise, ye younger submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Submitting yourself one to another. You know what happens in a local church when the, every part of the body is submitting to each other? The body grows and, and, and strife goes away and there's no envy and there's no arguments and there's no division because everyone's living humbly and submitting one to another. Elder to the younger, younger to the elder. Here in that passage in chapter 5, the first part is about the elders of the church, those, those in authority in the church and talking about how even we as elders, as leaders of the church ought to be submissive in our spirit toward the body of Christ. It doesn't just go that you're supposed to be submissive to the, the pastors, but pastors should be submissive and loving and courteous and kind to the members. It goes both ways. And this relationship grows. And in doing so, we are blessed. There is a, this is a reoccurring theme throughout the New Testament to have this uh, treating each other, giving honor to each other, uh, provoking not each other to wrath, but giving in and, and honor, preferring one another. Throughout the whole New Testament, we see this. And so we see here that Peter's not only telling us these relationships that we should have that are important, the government, the, the work, and then family, and then all relationships, but why? Why should we? That's, that's the question of this generation. Why? Why should I submit? Well, I'll tell you why. Because it silences the critics. Why should I submit? Because it's acceptable to God. Why should I submit? Because it points others to Jesus Christ. Why should I submit? Because it brings blessing to your life. Give me four better reasons than that. Is that the life you want? Do you want a life that's blessed by God, that points others to Jesus Christ, that's acceptable to God? Is that, is that the life you want? Then learn to live with a submissive spirit in a world gone wrong. Does that mean we don't stand and fight for right? No. Does that mean we don't fight the good fight of faith? No. It means that we have the, the quiet 
and strong spirit. When we stand for what's right, we stand because we know it's right. We're not antagonistic. We're not looking for a fight. We're not rolling up our sleeves. We're not, it's not that it's our spirit. It's our spirit is we've drawn a line here. This is a biblical line. I can't cross this line. And if, I, if you want me to cross this line, I'm going to stand here. Quietly, submissively, but strongly stand for truth. On the other hand, most often we cross that line and we want to fight and we want to argue. And Peter's is simply saying, as you have left Jerusalem area and you've been scattered abroad, you want to live right, you want to make a difference there in that new society where you are, in that new world where you're living, that new job that you're at, that new government around you, be submissive, be submissive. How do you live right in a world gone wrong? How do you impact a culture when you know that you really don't fit in? This world's not your home. You're just passing through. We understand that. This is what the, the, the book is about. You impact those closest to you, not by being superior, but by being submissive. We want to step into a room and show our superiority. I have, I have greater knowledge. I have greater this. I'm smarter. I'm better. I'm showing my superiority. And the Bible says, no, no, no. You show your, you, you impact the culture by showing your submissiveness. And saying, no, I, I will bend and I will give in. I'm not going to stand for, every, but it's not fair. No, exactly. But I, but I, I, I deserve my right. Yeah, you do, but that's, that's, so did Jesus. Jesus had every right to get off the cross. Jesus had every right to, to put to silence the people who are calling him names. He had every right. But he set an example for us by giving his life to save your soul. And he says, I'm just calling you to follow my example. I'm not asking you to do anything that I haven't already done. Follow my example. So when it comes to government, choose your battles wisely and, choose, and, and govern your spirit carefully. Right? Are you with me? I'm not saying that our government, in fact, I'll talk politics with you some other time, but not here in the pulpit. I think there's a time and a place to stand for what we believe. And some of those things are not even biblical. I have opinions that are not covered in the Bible about how our government should run and do things. And I can stand for that. And I can petition. And I can do those things. I need to choose my battles wisely and govern my spirit carefully when it comes to the government. It's biblical. In the, at work, submit to those in authority even when you're treated unfairly. Kids, listen to me. At school... When, you, when the teacher centers you out, and this, I remember one time, this is not a good story on me, but I remember one time in school, we were talking during class, being bad. That was pretty much my MO. That was, that was how I operated. I, I did well. In my school, we got two sets of grades, one for your average of your schoolwork and one for conduct. I had straight A's in one column and not so much in the other column. I'll let you be the judge, all right? And so I was talking in class, and the teacher called me. I was talking with three or four other people in class, and the teacher called on me and pointed me out unfairly, and I spoke back to her. I know it's hard to believe that I would do such a thing, <laughs> but I did, and I was right in that I was picked out unfairly but I was wrong, and I spoke back to her, right? So kids, you're going to get treated unfairly. It's going to happen at school. It's going to happen on the playground. It's going to happen in life. And you show, 
you're, it's acceptable to God when you say, I was treated unfairly, but I'm okay with that. I'm going to be okay with that. And be careful how you treat other people and not treat them unfairly. That's acceptable to God. In work, at home, we draw others to Christ by a meek and quiet spirit. As a general rule, submitting yourselves one to another shows a relationship to Christ and it shows that you're trying to live right in a world gone wrong. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?